We've been in a series talking about temptation traps, and we wrap that up today. And we've learned that temptation is all around us. I love the passage we're going to look at this morning. It encourages us to love and support and grow with one another. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon near the end of his life. And essentially, it's a reflection as he looks back on his life, and it was filled with every kind of temptation and sin. And at the end of his life, he looks back, and there's incredible wisdom we can glean from the book of Ecclesiastes, all surrounding temptation. And a lot of it has to do with who you surround yourself with. We've heard it how many times, countless times. Show me your friends and I'll show you your enemy. Yeah, not enemy. Well, your future. Say it with me. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who you hang around, who you do life with. So I want to look at two words that make us prone to falling into temptation. We're going to call these danger zones. The first word is isolation. Isolation. And isolation is something over the last two years that's been on the rise, right? We've been forced in some ways, some ways we've chosen. I think some people have used COVID and everything else as a means to isolate themselves and gives themselves an excuse to isolate. But nonetheless, we have been forced or have chosen isolation more in the last two years than ever before in all of history. Solomon's going to say something about that in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Let's read this out loud together from the New Living Translation. Let's read this. Two people... Two are better than one. Think all the way back to when you were a child and you went to camp, summer camp, and you were about to go swimming in the lake or in the pool. Usually the first thing they did is they would have you get a buddy, right? Get a buddy. Well, why would they do that? Well, sometime during the swim, they would take a break and they would say what? Buddy check. Buddy check. Let me do that right now. Buddy check. Who's sitting? Raise somebody's hand. No, Tim, not your own hand. There you go. You got to have a buddy. Yeah, buddy check. And that would not only give the campers a security if they weren't there by themselves, that they had a friend, but it also gave the staff security knowing that whatever happened, somebody was going to be there beside the other person to help them out. When you have a friend beside you, a support beside you, it makes life easier. John DeButts, the former chairman of the board for AT&T, as we know, a company with over a million employees, had to have his leg amputated after he was retired. And he said nobody came to visit him in the hospital except for his wife, the woman he had ignored for 39, 30 years. No one showed up. No one came. No one called. Is that the way life is to be lived? Is that what life's about? Solomon's saying 
what all kinds of contemporary research has now confirmed. We are better together than we are alone. Two are better than one. And he's talking about the value that comes with doing life together in community. You and I were made by God's design to live best in community. You were created in the image of God. And God is in community all the time himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God lives and dwells in community. And so it's built into us. It's built into our DNA. It's instinctive. It's natural for us to do life together. Why? Well, I said it earlier. Because you and I were made in God's image. And God is all about community. The Godhead being involved, even at the creation of the world, all three involved. Genesis 1.26 says, let us make mankind in our own image. God didn't say, let me make mankind in my image. No, all three together from the very beginning to now. Because life is better when there's others beside you. Friendships, manners, business relationships, whenever relationships are involved, life is healthier. Your first day in a new school, if you remember back years ago, it's much easier to enter in the lunchroom with a friend, isn't it? You're in the hospital. You're going in the hospital for a major surgery. It's much easier to go when someone shows up to support you, pray with you, and even go into the room with you. You walk into the funeral home. Man, you can't do that alone, can you? Walk into the courtroom. You don't want to do that alone. Every crisis that we might face in life I'm convinced it's better if it's done with someone beside you and you don't have to face it and go it alone. The Journal of the American Medical Association discovered that when it comes to fighting the common cold, those with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting the illness than those who were isolated. Isn't that cool? There's a whole body of research that shows People who have strong support systems are much healthier than those who don't. Now, I hesitate to say this, but here it goes. People, and Dr. Bupp's here, he's not going to like this at all, all right? People who have bad health habits, have strong social ties, live longer than those who have great health habits and are isolated. All right, let me say it again. Agree or disagree, the research is out there. People who have bad health habits but strong social ties live longer than people who have great health habits and are isolated. In other words, it's better to eat fudge brownies with friends than broccoli all by yourself, right? (laughs) Go figure. That's how I translate that. (laughs) Two are better than one. God designed us to do life together. 
So here's the progression that needs to occur. Isolation must progress towards interaction with one another. Isolation must progress towards interaction. You might not think you need it. And I would say back to you, if you are one who thinks you don't need it, that means you need it. That you're afraid of it. And God wants you push push you in that direction. Isolation is one of Satan's strongest weapons in his arsenal of evil. COVID has made it so much easier for Satan to move because people have been isolated, even quit going to worship and stayed away all by themselves. And I believe it's affected our society in a big, big way. We need one another to support, to stand with, to encourage each other. Another word in this danger zone, and that's the word independence, independence. Don't misunderstand me. Some independence is good, but when you OD on independence, that's when you get in the danger zone where everything begins to revolve around me. It's the toddler's cry. It says, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. And maybe you can do it yourself, but you're going to miss out on a whole lot of joy, celebration, comfort when you choose to do it with others. When people pull away from the church, oftentimes it's because they want to be more independent. Maybe they have a hard time giving in when they give in to temptation might be when they come to worship, they feel worse off because of their life that they're leading than where they know they need to be. Maybe it's the 18-year-old that goes off to college, 20-year-old. Mom and dad aren't there to tell them to go to church anymore. They crave their independence. Now they can make their own choices. Eventually, people begin to pull away from the faith. Andy Stanley said it well. He said, after 40 years of ministry, I've noticed people usually drift away from their community of faith before they drift away from faith. People usually drift away from their community of faith before they drift away from faith. That's because we need the support of each other. And we're not feeding into each other then it's a whole lot easier to fall into independence and isolation and fall away from God and where we need to be. Satan succeeds at deceiving us into thinking that we're better off alone. We say, yeah, I don't need anyone else. I'm totally independent. I'm doing good on my own. I don't need the church. I don't need to go to church. And typically when that happens, we begin to OD on independence and we begin to look at life through different lenses. Everything begins to revolve around me. And then we tend to withdraw and isolate ourselves into our own little world even more, where we call all the shots. Some of you remember Hall of Fame baseball player Reggie Jackson. It's been years ago. He played for the Oakland A's, played for the New York Yankees, Eventually, he ended his career with the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles had a manager by the name of Earl Weaver. 
Earl Weaver had one rule, and that was you don't try to steal a base without getting a sign from the dugout first. No stealing of bases unless the signal is given from the dugout. Well, of course, that was an affront to the temperamental ego of Reggie Jackson. So one time, the story is told he was on first base. He took a lead, and once the pitcher released the ball, he took off to second base. Without getting a signal from the dugout, he took off to second base, barely slid in to beat the tag, got up, brushed off his uniform, and just glared back at the dugout with a smirk towards Earl Weaver. After the game was over, Earl Weaver pulled him aside and said, Reggie, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about why I didn't give you the steal sign. He said, on sec our second best power hitter on the team next to you was Lee May. He was at the plate. But now, because you stole second and first base was open, that means they could intentionally walk Lee May, and they did. The next batter coming up didn't have hardly as good of a record hitting against that pitcher, so I was forced, didn't have hardly the success against the pitcher, and so I was forced to put a pinch hitter in for him. That left me with insufficient bench strength should the game go into extra innings. If you know baseball, you might be tracking with me, hopefully. That means we had to go into extra innings. And if we did, we would lose the game. And we said, Reggie, that's exactly why we lost the game. You see the difference? Reggie Jackson was all about stealing a base. Earl Weaver was all about winning a ball game. When we tend to put a focus on ourselves and we depend on our own selves for everything, sooner or later we don't know what a real win in life really is. Independence must progress towards interdependence, where we depend on God, we depend on others. Let's jump back in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. It says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? The one may be overpowered. How many? Two can defend themselves. But a cord of what? Three strands is not quickly broken. Do you know that a three-stranded rope is stronger than even a four or five stranded rope? Why is that? Was well, because with the three stranded rope, all three pieces of the rope are constantly connected to each other and thus they become stronger. Maybe you've had three stranded relationships, maybe a friendship, meaning that God was in the midst of that friendship. Hopefully, you have a healthy marriage. All healthy marriages are three-stranded relationships. How many of you, when you were married, took part in the three-stranded ceremony, the court of three-strand ceremony? Anybody? One, two, three, about four or five of you? All right, let me demonstrate this. 
our soon-to-be newlyweds. Come on up here. Zach and Natalie have recently got engaged. Yes, they did. All right. I told you I was going to use you guys. Yeah. Okay. In the wedding ceremony, if I was officiating, I would typically say, right here, there's a cord of three strands. Natalie, this is you. Zach, this is you. And this would be God, the Holy Spirit. And as you're about to weave these together, they didn't practice. This is impromptu. Use your creative arts. Zach, you're not participating. <laughs> That's awesome. Perfect. Give these guys a hand. All right. And you see all the way through the weave, each piece, all three pieces of the rope are touching each other, making the rope strong and secure. Thus, the image is when God is involved, the Holy Spirit is, is involved in our married relationship, in a friendship, the two in the relationship aside from God all bend together, bond together, and it creates strength. Thus, not only are two good, but three are even better. Allowing God to be involved in every aspect where all the segments of your life connect on one mission. Now, when we do that, we have to understand that each of us have weaknesses. How many of you have weaknesses? Yeah. We all have shortcomings. And a lot of times we like to keep those private. We like to keep them to ourselves. But if we're not careful, we become consumed with protecting our image rather than building the kingdom of God. And that's trouble. If we want to act like we're perfect and we have it all together, that's fine. But we're not fooling anybody. Nobody's perfect. Every single one of us have shortcomings and hurts. Alcoholics Anonymous has a motto a motto, they say, you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm. You're only as sick as your secrets. The Apostle Paul had an ongoing struggle. He called it the thorn in the flesh. And he prayed for God to remove it. Many people think it was a physical affliction of some type, an ailment. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he writes this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in, my, in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. When you begin to open up about your weaknesses and your shortcomings, you give them to God or you, and you also share them with someone else, all of a sudden, God does his best work in you. I love what the Christian rapper Lecrae said. He says, I'm not a Christian because I'm strong and have it all together. 
I'm a Christian because I'm weak and I need a Savior. Because I'm weak and I need a Savior. So when we are in life with someone else, doing life together, bonded together, all of a sudden we're able to confess to the other person, ask the other person for prayer, for strength, and we gain strength, and God begins to move in our life. But listen, God won't heal what you don't reveal. That's huge. In whatever zone it is of your life, God won't heal what you don't reveal. So get some guts. Come alongside somebody and share the struggle, whatever that struggle may be. Admit you're not perfect, and they're going to look back at you and say, I'm not either. But let's do this together. In the years to come, life is going to get much, much more difficult for believers. It's going to get more difficult for everyone. Our culture has already dramatically, drastically changed. And I'm telling you, in the future, we're going to need the church more than ever before. We're going to need each other to lean on more than ever before. Hebrews 10.25 says, Therefore, let us not give up meaning together as some or in a habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. What day? What day? Yeah. The day Jesus finally comes back. Encourage each other. Lift each other up. Look, you're going to have struggles, suffering in this life. And in those times, it's going to be much more tempting to fall into temptation traps. So that's why we need other Christian friends, believers to lean on. That's why we need the church. If you're not involved in a small group, that's where we say life change happens best, but it's also where support comes the most. If you'd like to learn about our small groups at Northside, you can text the word group. It's something new. It's on your outline. You can text the word group right now, today, to 330-443-0400. And you'll get information back on a group to get involved in and how all that works. But you need to be connected because two are better than one, but three is better than Two, in the very beginning, God looked at Adam and said, it's not good. It's not good for a man to be alone. You were created for community. You were created to do life with others. That's why this message is so important. You and I were made for loving relationships and to serve other people and then some. That's why we're here. The alternative to that, and I've seen it, where people spend their whole life in church in worship, sit in the same chair Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they never get to know anyone. They just walk in, walk out. Now, fortunately, in a church the size of Northside Medina, you got to be pretty good to walk in and walk out, right? That's one of the cool things about this place because we're more of an intimate, and we can begin to do life together as time goes on.
We were meant to laugh, to praise, to pray, to cry with human beings. We were made to do life together. Psalms 133.1 says, How good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And that unity is made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught community his entire life here on earth. His prayer, John 17, 20, he said, I pray for all those who will believe that you and me, for all those who will believe, I pray that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So we got a decision to make in this. It's either one way or the other. We got to decide if we're going to live with an attitude that values and pursues community or we want to go down a road that just looks out for number one. It's one or the other. There's a book by Ernest Lavoff entitled Exclusion and Embrace. Within this book, he says it's your choice. You can embrace people or you can exclude people. It's your choice. You can embrace people, meaning you take them by the hand and you do life with them. You open up your heart to them. That's the way of embrace. That's the heart of God. Or you can exclude people where you become cold, distant, and you simply shut other people in the world out of your life and you do life alone. God's heart, God's heart is that you and I would do life in community, that we would choose to embrace and be embraced. That's so important to God. If we had a heart like that, if the church had a heart that expressed all we want to do is embrace the people of the world and show them the love of Jesus Christ, if we really had a heart like that, I think people would line up to get in the door. Unfortunately, we don't always show that heart. God sent Jesus to live and love and embrace ordinary people, ragged, sinful people like you and I. And ultimately, Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross. He stretched out his arms to show the world how intensely God wants to embrace them, even with all their flaws. He was willing to die for that. He was willing to die for you. 1 John 4, 8 and following says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We've got a choice to exclude people and shut them out of our life or to embrace people 
to open up our hearts and let them in. I hope and praise you choose to embrace that you choose community. I hope and I pray that you embrace others the way God has embraced you. Father, we thank you so much for choosing to embrace us, for choosing to love us. So much, God, that you put your arms wide open and you allowed your son to die on a cross for everyone in this room and everyone outside of this room. God, I pray that you'd help us be aware of the dangers that exist in this world. Dangers of being isolated. Dangers of striving to be too independent. And God, I pray you'd help us to come and understand how much we need the embrace, the embrace of each other and the embrace of your son. And Father, if there's anyone here in this room today that has never truly opened themselves up to the embracement of the church, God, please let them know that we're here for them. We weren't meant to do life alone. God, allow them to reach out to somebody and say, hey, I, I need a friend right now. I need support right now. I need encouragement right now. And God, if there's anyone in this room has never opened up their heart to the embrace of your loving son and his sacrifice for them. God, I'd love to talk to him today. God, help them to come up after the service and say, hey, I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about what he did for me and how he died on the cross. Tell me more about that. God, there's nothing more I'd want to do today. And so God, as we stand, we celebrate each other and we celebrate your sacrifice for us. And we pray this in the one who died in our place's name, Jesus. Amen.